We've been talking about the Beatitudes, and they are a central teaching in the life of Jesus. We started it on the beginning of September, and they are going to be what we're looking at through the end of October. This morning, we come to the fifth Beatitude, where Jesus says these words, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. We've talked about this before, and I hope that at least by the end of this study, we will understand this. But blessed is the word makarios, and it is a spiritual happiness. It's a Greek word that that describes a happiness beyond the kind of happiness that we so often pursue in our world. It's easy for us to think that a thing is going to make us happy, a relationship is going to make us happy, more money is going to make us happy, and those do give us sort of a temporary little fix. I mean, there's not a single person I know that doesn't feel a little bit of satisfaction driving off the car lot with a new car, and they're feeling really pumped and excited, but as we talked about earlier in this series, that's right up until the time when that first ding happens or the car payment comes and it's more than you expected and all of a sudden the thing that we think is going to bring us happiness really never does and so what Jesus is teaching is about a real happiness and it's what we should be pursuing as Christians. There is a deep satisfaction with life that God has promised to each one of us. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and may have it abundantly. The first four of these promises, and that's what I would call them, promises, you will be blessed, you will be happy, you will find satisfaction in life, Jesus says each time, if, and then he tells us what we need to do or what we need to have as an attitude in our life. And the first four of them were attitudes. They were about how we approach life, the way that we think and view ourselves. The first one was being poor in spirit, which is a humility. Not thinking that we're better than someone else, never thinking that you and I have something above another person, but rather understanding our place as being people who are servants. The second week, we heard the second beatitude, which again is about an attitude. It's about how we view life, and it was, blessed are those who mourn. Being able to be honest with our emotions. Not trying to do the old fake, how you doing? Fine. How's your life? Okay. Never being able to be vulnerable. Jesus says, we'll never find joy and peace and happiness in life if we live that way. So we're told to go to those deep emotions and be able to deal with them. Then we were told that blessed are those who are meek, those who don't try to lord it over others, but understand that that meekness is a concept of power under control. That we have control of a lot of things in our life. Really, we have control of three things, and those are me, myself, and I. Those are what we have control over. And if we do it in a humble manner, in how we treat others, we will discover that we will find, again, a joy and happiness in life. And then last week, Alona was here and shared about how it's what we also pursue. What are we hungry for? What are we trying to fulfill our lives with? And so if we hunger and thirst for righteousness and for God's way of living, again, we will find this happiness. Now we come to the fifth beatitude. The fifth beatitude is no longer about our attitudes or what we think. Jesus makes a shift here, and it turns into action. This is about how we treat people. How you treat other people 
is going to determine who you are as a person. Not just because what it does for them, but what it does for you. How you and I act towards others matters. And so Jesus now says, Blessed are those who are merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Today's message is about extending mercy to others and what that means. One of the stories that I like to tell, if you've heard it before, I'm sorry, but um, sort of like a television show, you watch reruns, so sometimes I think there's nothing wrong with retelling a story. Years ago, I was a college student, and my best friend and I decided we were going to hitchhike, and we're going to hitchhike from Fort Wayne, Indiana, to St. Louis, Missouri. Now, the reason we were doing it is because we wanted to have fun. Kids don't listen to this. You can't hitchhike today, but somehow we got away with it years ago, and we had a good time doing it. We were going home to my friend Kent's house for Thanksgiving, and we both had cars, we both had money, and we both had gas, but we still decided to do the hitchhike because we just thought it would be a college adventure. To say it was an adventure is to put it mildly. We have all kinds of stories from it. But one of my favorite things that happened is we were standing in the wrong place on a highway. We thought that it was okay. We were in the on-ramp where you go on to a major, uh, major interstate, and a police officer pulled over, pulled us up, got us in the car, and drove us down, stopped in a, in a little um, spot over where the um, cars all pull off, a little rest area. And he said, you guys have a problem? You were sitting back there. And he said, that's illegal. You can't be on the highway. Had you been up off the highway, you would be okay. But where you were is a violation, and I need to give you a ticket. We talked to him a little bit. He got to know us. I don't know if there's something about two college students who told him we were going to be ministers. Maybe that helped us a little bit. Who knows what was going on in his mind? But at that moment, he had three options. We thought he was going to choose the first, which was justice. And justice would have been to give us the ticket that we deserved. Instead, he extended mercy. And he said, you know what? I'm going to forgive this one and just give you a warning. I trust that you guys understand what you did wrong, and you won't do it again. And he extended mercy. That's what today's message is about. He gave us forgiveness. However, he also went one level beyond that, and that's grace, and today's message is not about grace. He liked us so much, he took us out to lunch, and he paid the the bill. And they they dropped us off at a place, because now you can safely and legally hitchhike from here. Grace is not what we're talking about today. What we're not talking about is going above and beyond for others, and being Um, unbelievably giving towards others, we're really looking at what Jesus is talking about, that middle aspect of life, of learning to be able to give forgiveness. But it's really more than forgiveness when we think about what mercy is. The word eliom, that is the Greek word for forgiveness, is really about treating other people with sympathy and compassion. It's being willing to hear their stories and put ourselves in other people's shoes so that the way that we deal with people is caring towards them and takes others into account for the people that they are. I would ask you to do this before we look at the text more in detail. Try to do it for 30 days and see how much different your life is. 
Because I know what we do. We have all those things spinning around our head of the things that other people have done wrong or the ways in which we think other people should live their lives. And Jesus is saying, set all that stuff apart and learn to be merciful. Learn to be compassionate. Learn to be caring about others. Learn to put yourself in the other person's place. Try it for 30 days. Try it for 90 days. Try it for one year. You may discover... No, you will discover that your life will be in a completely better place because when we learn to be merciful, when we learn to be understanding and sympathetic and being able to extend forgiveness rather than only seeing things from our perspective, it's amazing how much better we feel about ourselves and how much better the depth of our relationships with others are. And you know, the whole point of mercy is it's based on Jesus. It's based on how Jesus lived his life. You look at every single thing that Jesus did and every encounter he had with other people. It was all about extending mercy and giving forgiveness. And when somebody was poor or somebody was an outcast or somebody was in a situation in which nobody else would understand them, time after time after time, you discover with Jesus that what he does is he extends a mercy that other people can't even comprehend. So much so that in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, when Jesus is being described by the writer of Hebrews as a priest, he says he is, and he uses the same word that Jesus used here, a merciful priest. A priest who's merciful. Now, we may sit here and we may think, well, shouldn't every priest be merciful? Well, in the Old Testament, priests were legalistic. They were not merciful. It is the only place in the Bible that a priest is described as being merciful is used for Jesus. Every other time a priest is described, what they're described as is being people who uphold the laws and the traditions of the Scripture, so much so that the Israelites and the people who were teaching the law and the Pharisees would take all of the laws and all of the things that, that were considered the ways in which people had to live their lives, and they would create rules upon rules upon rules to make sure that when people were making a decision and they came to the priest, the priest wasn't giving any kind of personal discernment. They weren't giving any kind of, of personal understanding for the other individual, they would simply take the text of the law and apply it to the other person. So when you think of a priest in the biblical times, think of a judge. Think of going to the priest at the temple, and the only thing the priest could say to you is if you did something wrong, yep, you did wrong, and here are the things you need to do. And now with Jesus, we find something different. He's not just a legalistic judge as a priest. He's one that has mercy towards us. He's one who understands us. In that same scripture, the Bible teaches that he experienced absolutely everything that you and I have gone through, so he understands us. He puts himself in our place. So think again about one of the stories that we're probably most familiar with, the woman who's caught in adultery. Now, the legalistic priest would say, the woman needs to be punished. But what does Jesus say? He looks at her with compassion. He looks at her with mercy. And he addresses everybody else, and he says, okay, which one of you hasn't done anything wrong? Why don't, why don't the one of you who has never sinned, why don't you throw a first stone at this woman? That's mercy. Everybody else was out to say, well, look what a horrible offensive thing that this woman has done. And Jesus stands there, and he has mercy. 
has compassion. He sees the individual not for their flaws and the things that she had done wrong in her life, but as a person who is loved and cared for. That's why mercy not only is based on Jesus, but it sees the needs of others. If we're going to be merciful, we see other people according to their needs and their vulnerabilities. It's so easy to look at ourselves and give ourselves a break because we know what we've been going through. Every one of us does that. We know what we've faced. And we want people to be merciful to us and to be compassionate towards us and to be understanding. And if we have a bad day and, and we say something in a cross manner, we want under, other people to understand, well, you know, they're probably just having a bad day. That's okay. But Jesus is teaching us that to have mercy isn't just to look at our own needs, but it's to look at the needs of others. It's interesting that the word mercy is used in New Testament times as a word to give hay to a cow. It's an odd thing. And I read about this, and I thought about this, and I realized that the reason for that is because if you look at an animal that's hungry, and you just go past it, you're not taking their needs into consideration. But the same word that's extended for mercy towards other is used for feeding an animal. And think of how vulnerable animals are. A lot of us have pets. Don't feed your dog, and there's nothing your dog can do. Don't put down food down for the cat, and the cat's not going to make it on its own. And so what Jesus says is if you understand the needs of an animal, if you understand that the animal has needs, you, you feed it, you go according to their needs, that's how we should live our lives towards other people. Our lives are best when we can not only see our own needs, but see the needs of others, see what they're going through, and learn to be compassionate, learn to listen, learn to understand. When we first moved here to Plymouth, we had a dog named Salamansa. The reason the dog's name was Salamansa is because David had read a book when he was a young boy, and it was called Walk Two Moons. And the basic story was a Native American story about a young girl who had learned that the way to live her life was to never judge another person until they had walked two moons or two months in the other person's shoes. Walk two moons in someone else's shoes. Until you think and really have dealt with how somebody else has lived their life and have the idea of what their life is, truly understanding it for two months, we have no right to pass any kind of judgment on anyone else. In fact, Jesus teaches us, don't judge anyone anyhow. But that starts us getting towards mercy, doesn't it? Start realizing that it takes time to get to know another individual. It takes time to understand what another person is going through. And so until we've given ourselves enough time to listen to other people, to pay attention to their needs, to not see everything from our perspective, we're not being merciful. We're just caught up in our own six inches of the weakest muscle in our head, the muscle between our two ears, and we have our own best thoughts. It doesn't necessarily do us a whole lot of favor. And so what Jesus asks us to do is to be merciful, to put ourselves in other people's place so we can understand what other people are going through and treat them accordingly. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. And so mercy is not only based on Jesus and not only sees the needs of others, but it's also proportional. And that's why we read the scripture that I read this morning. Listen to the beginning again of that passage. Jesus 
is standing there, and Peter comes up to him. And he has a question that we all have. Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Peter's being pretty generous there, isn't he? Come on, folks. Let's be honest. How many of us really want to forgive somebody else seven times? That sounds like a lot of times. Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 77 times, or even 70 times seven times. Then Jesus goes on and he tells a story. He says, here's basically what the problem is. We all look at what other people do and we get all offended over the ways in which they've treated us. So he goes, it's sort of like a king who has a huge debt against a guy. And we read the story earlier. And this guy comes to him and he begs for forgiveness and he begs for mercy. And the king says, absolutely, go out, you're fine. I'll forgive your debt. But that very, very same person encounters someone who owes him hardly anything, 50 bucks. Guy's just been forgiven $40 million and comes across somebody who, gives a, who owes him $50 and he's not able to extend mercy to the other person. Jesus' point is, look at ourselves and look at the amazing mercy that God has in your life. Look at all the times that God has understood. Look at all the times that God has gotten you through. Look at all the times that God has forgiven you. Look, me, myself, look at all the times in which God has understood and given Stan another chance and proportionally... There's not an individual in this world who's done as much stuff to me as I've done to offend God. It could not possibly happen. And that's true in every one of our cases. So with mercy being proportional, what Jesus wants us to understand is realizing how much God's mercy has been extended to us. Now let's learn to treat others with a little bit more kindness. Let's not get so irritated with that that kid in the grocery store who's annoying you and pulling candy bars off the shelf. Let's not be so frustrated with that person who's speeding down the road and cuts us off. Let's not be so preoccupied with the things that other people do that annoy us or bother us when we ourselves have been so graciously forgiven by God. This is a constant theme of Jesus. See all the wrong that we do. And in comparison, the very little that others do. That's why Jesus, later in this same sermon, because we're in the Sermon on the Mount, remember he talks about a speck and a log? And he says, remember, we all have a log in our own eye. Let's get that log out of our own eye before we go looking at the speck in everybody else's eye. That's, again, mercy. It's about how we understand ourselves in relationship to others and how we're willing to be forgiving and understanding. Because mercy is based on Jesus. It sees the needs of others. It's proportional. But there's one last thing that Jesus teaches us right out of our beatitude. It's attractive, folks. It's attractive. We've all come across merciful people. We've all come across people who extend forgiveness to others and understand and give other people a break. They're some of our favorite people. The verb that's used here, which says, blessed are the mercy, 
merciful for, and the verb is, they shall receive mercy, is a future passive indicative verb, which I know that you came to church to learn about future passive indicative verbs. It means it's a guarantee for the future. Jesus is guaranteeing you something. You be merciful to others, and I guarantee you, Jesus says, mercy will be extended back to you. We will be happy when we're merciful, because others will start being more merciful with us. When you start learning to be gracious and understanding, and when each one of us learns to be forgiving, it's contagious. It's contagious. The way in which we do something positive in a moment. I had an experience not long ago where somebody said something that was deeply offensive, and I just said something back nice and kind. And I was surprised how many people paid attention to that conversation and came to me and said, wow, I really appreciate how you talk to that person. I certainly have done it wrong many times, but that time I got it right. When we are merciful, Jesus teaches, mercy is guaranteed to be extended back to us. And do you know why it's guaranteed? Because even if it isn't extended by the person who's sitting beside you in the pew today, even if it doesn't get extended to you by the person that you struggle with at work, even if it doesn't get extended back to you by your kids or your neighbors or whatever, it still is guaranteed that God will be merciful back, and that's the most important one anyhow. So he's not guaranteeing that every individual will guaranteed be merciful to you. It'll be better. But you'll always know as you extend mercy and understanding to others that you're serving a God who will treat you with absolute grace and forgiveness. Years ago, I made a good friend. His name was Don, and he was a pastor. And I was a new pastor living in Lowell, and I was in charge of a ministry that I'd been hired to be sort of their little part-time staff. It was called the Lowell Area United Methodist Ministries. And Don was an older pastor who was my supervisor, and he was a chair of the board that I reported to. And I was all excited by this new possibility and this new ministry and all of the things we we're going to do. And Don called me up and he gave me some information and he said, we're going to have a budget meeting and I'd like you to prepare the budget for our next meeting. And so I felt, that's great. They trust me. They like me. They have a job for me to do. And I promptly forgot the conversation. And I showed up at the meeting and the entire meeting was going to be a budget meeting. So here's young Stan Cushing sitting with all these senior pastors and all these representatives from other churches, and there are about 25 people in the room. Devotions were over. Don turned to me, and he said, now the rest of our meeting is Stan has a budget, and we're going to talk about the budget. And I said, oops. I said, I'm sorry. I totally forgot. Without missing a beat, Don said, that's okay. We all make mistakes. Meeting adjourned. We got some great refreshments. We'll deal with the budget next time. What kind of a friend do you think Don Bay came to me? And what do you think I was willing to do for my friend? Anything. My friend passed away a few years ago. I still have a book that he gave to me that I keep in my library. It's one of the untouchable things that I don't loan out. People come in and they'll say, can I borrow things? And I'll say, well, there's some things. That's one you can't touch. Why? Because I always want to have a thing that was inscribed by my friend Don, who was merciful to me. That's all he was that day. It didn't take a lot. It didn't take, it was, he didn't give me a million dollars. He didn't take me out to eat. He didn't buy me a gift. 
but at a moment in which a vulnerable young pastor was sitting in front of 25 people and could have been absolutely humiliated, a guy that I hardly knew who was my boss just extended mercy to me. That's what Jesus teaches. Let's learn to be merciful. It is so easy for us to see the speck in everybody else's eye and miss our own log. And Jesus' teaching is first about attitudes, but then it goes into how we treat people. And that's what this morning is about. How do we move from this worship space where we sing our songs, we worship God, we fellowship together, and we realize that God calls every single one of us to be merciful people. We're not going to get it perfect. We're not going to get it right. But the way in which we treat people, Jesus says, will come right back in how others will treat us. I'd like to invite Alona to come forward as she closes us with some prayer time, at which time we will then also be having our service close with the singing of our final hymn, number 328. But I invite Lona to come forward. Thank you. At this time in our service, we just take a moment just to let the message soak in. So often we can move from one situation to the next situation and not give our Heavenly Father the proper time to really speak to us, to let Christ come into us and say, yes, this is where I need you to move. This is where I need you to be still. So this time in our service, we do just that. We just take a moment just to reflect upon the word, upon where the Holy Spirit was stirring us, where the Holy Spirit was asking us, you need to be more merciful in this area of your life, towards this person, towards this situation, towards this season. So I invite all of you just to take a moment, just to breathe, just to inhale deeply, and just be still to let the Holy Spirit just speak to you. To let the Savior love you in this moment as he always does. But to let it go a little deeper. so happy and grateful that he is moving, stirring with each, within each and every one of us, a message that he needs us to hear today, that was delivered by Pastor Stan, but that only the Holy Spirit can say, this is where I need you to move, this is what I need you to do, this is where I need you to show mercy in your life. And as we exhale out our humanness and we inhale the spiritual aspect of Christ himself, the breath of God. May this prayer reign upon each and every person here. Dear most heavenly Father, glory unto you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this season. Thank you for the message that you have brought forth today that we as a family have come together to worship you, to praise you, to love you. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us, for being the demonstration of mercy so that we may go forth and show mercy unto others. Because it is a gift that the Father has given unto us that you have shown 
in your Beatitudes how to give on to others. May mercy reign in our lives, in the words and the actions that we take, the thoughts that we think. For all glory and honor is you, is for you, by the blood of a Savior who died for us, saying, I will pay your debt, I will show you mercy, I will love you completely and thoroughly, through and through. Go forth and show it on to others, as you have seen me do. We pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.